this is a game that Josh played called Gears of War 2. Now, before you tune out because you're not a video game uh, player or things like that, or maybe you are, Josh achieved something pretty cool on that game. And while we were kind of talking and doing our pre-show, show, not show stuff, I asked him, I said, like, can you just talk about this a little bit? And I'm going to ask him some good interview questions. So I'm not letting him speak yet because it'll spoil the surprise, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Launch out on the loop as I interview Josh about his rise to leadership in Gears of War 2, today on Curiosity Continuum. Everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and the digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app if to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and you want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. Okay, so for those in the gaming world, you may see a handle called The LaGrew floating around yep. <laughs> whatever video game spaces there are. That's Josh, so you can pick him out. Now, uh, kudos to Josh for actually naming it something where it's actually his real name. <laughs> Well, I had it like uh, at one point, like warrior, and then like that was just like, too generic. And then I went to Lagru, but everyone was always like, "What's that?" And I'm like, ah, "I don't know." And then I lost the email associated with Lagru, and I couldn't ever recover my account. So like, I had to like name it to something else. I name it the Lagru. <laughs> It's how the sausage is made, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Honest moments with Josh. Yeah, and I was pretty okay. young when I actually switched it all over. I was I was thinking maybe like 17. Got it. Tell us what Gears of War 2 is and tell us like the era that it kind of came onto the scene. Sure. So like it really starts with Gears of War, just the original Gears of War, which um was for the Xbox 360, which is an exclusive game. And it's exclusive series to xbox so gears of war came out you know right after the console came out in 2000 i think it's 2006 2007 when the first one came out but it was groundbreaking because of the graphics the intensity of the game had multiplayer the multiplayer was really good everybody really liked it i didn't really get into the xbox then i didn't i wasn't i didn't have the extra money because i would i just wasn't very long before that after that you know i had gotten married it's one of those times when you're kind of like establishing yourself i was in my early 20s i really didn't have a lot of money so i didn't have anything i bought an xbox a little later and that's when gears of war 2 was out and so i got gears of war 2 and i started dabbling in it and i really enjoyed it and it was a little slower paced game than the first one the 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 uh story of the single player campaign you know it's I was into it. And then after that, the multiplayer was out. So I was like, okay. And it introduced this thing called Horde Mode where just waves of enemies come at you and there's 50 different waves. And so you have to, and you can fight with friends like online. So 
I like had this community of people that I played with all the time online. So that's kind of what Gears of War was for me. It was it was after I was done with work for the day, I would come home, I would log on, and my friends would be on. They all be playing. So let's talk about this particular format because I know like this is like a first person shooter. I think is what uh, it is. Right? Technically third person shooter. So it's over the shoulder. You see your character on screen, uh, but you're right. It's like. You're, it's a shooter, but it's not first person in the way that you're not seeing through their eyes. You're seeing like a, like a person behind them, kind of. Oh, I see. Yep, yep, that makes sense. It's almost like a cameraman following very closely behind. Yeah, them. it's a cover based shooter, so like uh, there are you can actually take cover behind objects, and so when you see that view behind you, it's actually helpful because the player coming at you can't see you. Yep. So let these type of games. This is where like I didn't realize how much Josh loved games until. I realized how many people didn't love games, and then I, because he was just my friend, I'm like, well, he just loves games, right? And I'm like, he actually loves games in a disproportionate sense to most of the population. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if you see his game collection, which will be restored back to the shelves once his house is redone, uh, they will live in all their glory. And which okay, I will I wanna... be doing like videos on YouTube by way too, and like spoiler alert, I'm I'm really planning like a before and after type thing. To like show people like what my game collection is because I get a lot of questions on it all the time. He is a retro gamer, folks. So he started collecting just because they were like his toys, and he never let go of them. Unlike me, who sold them off in garage sales as the years went by. And I had sold Ta- some stuff too, and I did get that back like eventually. But you're right. Like I sold my Atari Twenty Six Hundred when I was a kid because I had to fund the next thing. You know. Let's talk about. Um, how you develop the skills. So when you look at a game like this, you can easily have a solo experience. Yes. And for those type of things, like you have to learn the mechanics of the game and what works, right? I want to focus a little bit on the collaborative mode because that's a different thing. So, you know, multiplayer online games now are kind of a language that everybody knows living in the years that we're living in. But in those years, it was still like you had to have a fast enough internet connection to connect to be able to play, and I want you to talk about how you hone skills by yourself first. Sure. And then how you translated it to collaborate with people that you'd never met around the world. It's kind of an interesting story. Like, it really is interesting. And I'm honestly, really should pull it all the way back to the PC days, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about this kind of incident. But so I've played games, like Brian said, I play games. And I've, I'm good at games. I just play them. And, and I'm not the best. And especially as I'm getting older, I'm not the best. I just love games. So I play a lot of them. I have a lot of experience playing those games. And that actually comes into play as you're playing online games. But back in this time, online infrastructure, especially in the United States, was not the best. So having a high-speed internet connection was kind of... It was not as rare as it was five years before. It was definitely more like a thing we needed. The internet was really booming kind of coming out so when you play online you're at the mercy of certain things you can't change like the speed of light for example you know it's like (laughs) how fast can my inputs on my controller get to a server and then get back to me so i can see them on the screen right and at this time you know 20 to 30 milliseconds is a really good and it is good today still too but that was like the golden standard. However, when you played by yourself and you just honed those skills and then you would play with other people, the, there was lag issues. So you actually had to learn to like use lag to your advantage 
and learn how to anticipate movements. And so you had to really become good and very knowledgeable about the game you were playing. So not everybody was good at every game. And Gears of War was one of those games that uh, is very unforgiving. If you are, even today, if you, like, if I go back and play now, because I haven't played in a while, it's it really beats the crap out of you. <laughs> and just, <laughs> like, you really get frustrated. But it rewards those who play all the time with that kind of skill set. So the discipline of showing up and putting in work consistently. Yes, Tell me how you use lag to adapt your skill set for online play. Okay, so uh, with Gears of War, lag was very specific. So it was host. They had a host server system. So like the host was actually a person that was playing in the group. It could have been any of the 10 players. There's five players in each team. It was just a player that had the fastest internet connection. They would say, oh, that's the host. So that person would have, everyone was pinging to that person. And so if you knew that, like if you knew who it was, if it was somebody on your team and you were close to them geographically, you would actually have a better gaming experience. However, most of the people I played with were in Europe. And and I always was the laggiest person. So I learned that I have to adapt my gameplay. I can't be this guy that just runs in and does everything because I'm literally seeing everything a second to two seconds before after it's already happened. So I became much more of a support player and I, I stayed back. I gave cover fire. I would see enemies running and I would say something and I became more like the sneaky guy. You know, I'm going to plant a grenade here. I'm going to plant a mine here because once those are down, they're down. They're in the game world. I don't have to be at a good leg to have that actually work, you know? So that's how I adapted my game. And it honestly it adapts my personality better too. I'm not that person to run in and just kill everybody in the game, you know. That's good, Josh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the person that's more like <laughs> I want to be a support player. I want the team to win, even if I don't do well. So talk about the outworking of that because you became one of the top players in the world by being a support player, right? Because there wasn't many of us, to be honest, and that was the issue. Like, <laughs> so. A lot of people want to be that hero. Like if you play games like Call of Duty, they want to come in and just guns blazing and just destroy everything and all of a sudden their team wins, right? But reality is that's not how winning consistently happens. Winning consistently happens by working as a team and play, people have defined roles. Like there were those people on my team that were really good at that. And I became really good at being the support player. And people relied on me to do that. Like if somebody would run in guns blazing, I was behind them with a faster, like a instead of a shotgun, you know, I would have a AR type gun. And so I'm actually able to lay down like a cover fire so people can do what they're doing. And that's how I became, basically became one of the top players in the world because of my play style. Were you sought out... F- by other players who knew you based on that reputation? I was a little bit, but the ga- Gears of War, like I never went like prof- quote unquote professional. I never even tried to even entertain that. Because um, those players are like, even if they're a support player, they're, they might be a really good aggressive player too. They have to fill these multiple roles. And I just honestly, that was when I was 
we just moved to Florida, you know, and I was not really in that mode to like put in that much time. You know, I played 40 hours a week multiplayer. I mean, I did. I, mean, I played a lot or maybe more than 40 hours. But these people are on a different level. They're also younger than me at the time. And it seems like that's a more of a young person's kind of game. <laughs> you have mentioned that uh, fast muscle twitch, mm-hmm. you know, just by bio- biology, you start to lose that as you get older. And so like a competitive gamer, when you talk about video games, folks, if you don't know, it's really like the mid-20s is kind of like where they will age out. Yeah, it's, like it's, 22. You know, like, like 22. Like, not even mid-20s, like 22, 23, 24 at the oldest. And they're like, I'm too old to play. That's interesting. And my my assumption is this. You're not too old. You just have to adapt your play style. And they just don't know how to do it. So I want to leave some folks with this because there's definitely application here. I think oftentimes the people that are held up in society, in you know whatever business journal or news story the the people do a certain thing because they're the hero or they've positioned themselves as the hero to get the accolades of the public right yeah and it just is what it is i won't even say good bad or otherwise it just is what it is it is what it is yep but i want to point out that the people who show up and are those support people like you're never going to hear about josh in the gaming space of what he did but in the community that he was in he was highly valued And he adapted the skill set to be able to accomplish the mission. I want to encourage everybody who's in a support role that may not be out front. And they feel like maybe like they are not doing the things that they're supposed to do because they're not recognized in the same way as somebody who's loud and brazen about it. Right. You can build a very solid reputation and be highly successful in your life by doing things just steadily and consistently. Right. My grandparents on my wife's side are a great example of this. 95 and 93 is when they, you know, they, they passed away and went off the earth. Day in, day out, farmers in southern Illinois. Was there anything like super victorious about that? No, but they showed up consistently for decades, and they were successful at the end of their life. And I want to encourage you that if that's your path, know that that's a noble path. It's a good path. Absolutely, yeah. There's people that need you to make the world go round. So before you start to say, well, I'm not this person, realize that success is not necessarily measured in the quick spike at the top, but at the finish line at the end. And that's just, I'll be done there. Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, like Brian says, it's a marathon, not a race. And the non-Chinese people are what make the world go around. (laughs) Because we are the people that are behind the scenes making things work for those people that are the extroverts, for those people that are, and we give them the glory. We're like, oh yeah, just take it. But everybody knows without everyone else behind them, you know, it's just doesn't happen. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my encouragement to people. If you think you're like a non-shiny person and you're not doing anything worthwhile, that infrastructure stuff is important. And that, that's what this is. This is infrastructure. I love it. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.